The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in all Elite Wrestling Dynamite. But before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing? Well, you know, other than uh, having a cold come out of nowhere, um, I'm doing pretty good. The Last of Us 2 comes out tomorrow. And that is what I will be doing the rest of the weekend. (laughs) Period. If it's not beat by Monday, I consider myself a failure. Um, <laughs> which, if you've never played that game, it is worth buying an old PS3 just to play it because the original is so damn good. So damn good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And, and I know it's right up my alley, but I uh, I have not gotten around to it. I, I have not had a PlayStation. I think if I end up getting a console from the upcoming generation Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go ps5 because good good me too well i have an xbox one and so i I feel like i've hit all of like the xbox exclusive titles on this generation and so i need to flip over so i can take advantage of the backwards compatibility and and play all the ps4 and ps3 titles that you know i haven't had the opportunity to so honestly i I think i think the ps the playstation aligns more with the type of games you play anyways based off what you play on the switch and stuff so I think it'd be more more your speed. And also, going forward, I will also be sticking just to the PlayStation so we can be PlayStation buddies. Yeah, it hurts my feelings a little bit because like the the vitriol between PlayStation and Nintendo was was so high when I was a kid and it was like you were either a PlayStation household <laughs> or a Nintendo household and you know, all that. So I've always kind of had this this latent bias towards um towards PlayStation, but I got to get over it because I know there's some great games that I've missed out on that (laughs) I'd like to go back and play. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, now we can flip the bird to Microsoft together (laughs) with the Nintendo kids because I'll keep my Nintendo uh, because I think the Nintendo offers a vastly different experience than either the PlayStation or Xbox. So I'll keep one of each. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of was how it was for a long time. It was like you had whatever the Nintendo console was, and then you either had a PlayStation or an Xbox. So to keep it going that way, I think. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I've been uh, been running and working out a lot. Um, I feel like I say that every week. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've also been been cooking a lot. So that's that's cool. And uh, when I was living with my sisters, I didn't have like all of my kitchen stuff. And mm. I was also cooking for someone else's dietary needs. So it's like, okay, I don't really care about gluten-free um, or, you know, any of that kind of stuff it doesn't bother me, but my sister has sensitivity. So it's like, okay, I have to cook something that she can eat. So it's nice to be able to, you know, get back into the swing of, going through the cookbook and pulling out recipes that I have, uh, haven't made in a long time. So I've uh, been doing that. Made some really, really tasty vegetarian enchiladas this week. You got to so. send me some recipes, man. Send me the enchiladas, but with meat, because I like meat in my enchilada. <laughs> Don't give well, me these that, are specifically uh... meant to be vegetarian. So it's not, I mean, you could add meat to them, but it's really, really not necessary. Uh, I guess, they, well, I guess I got to get healthier. Filling. All right. 
You gotta trust my judgment, man. I I know what I'm doing. You you, you keep telling me you're gonna send me recipes, and then you haven't sent them in a long time. Well, you know, you gotta tell me what you want. I can send you the enchilada recipe. I've gotta update it anyway because um, one of one of my wife's friends (laughs) wants the recipe as well. So, you know Um, me better than almost anyone in my life. If you can just send me a recipe, I'm pretty (laughs) sure I'll eat it. Fair enough. You know. Like, well, thanks for tuning uh, into our, our wrestling and cooking podcast. Uh, why don't we, why don't we get into the week's worth of action? Yeah, Joel, why don't you run through the card for us? The dynamite that was. That was weird. It came through the speakers on my computer. Oh, that is odd. Uh, well, it came it? through on my end. So, yeah. So okay, that's good. Uh, so, <laughs> a packed episode of Dynamite started off with the tag team championship match between the Natural Nightmares and... Kenny Omega and Adam Page. They still need a nickname for that tag team. Omega and Page came up with the pinfall victory in that affair. This was followed by a video package highlighting Anna Jay before her match against Abaddon. Both of them were making, or sorry, Abaddon was making her her Dynamite debut and uh, got the surprise pinfall victory over Anna Jay after she got her whole uh, video spotlight. After that match, the Dark Order came out and uh, recruited Anna Jay to join them. After this, we got the match between Billy and MJF. MJF getting the pinfall victory there. And uh, we got a Chris Jericho promo backstage talking about his match with Sammy Guevara against the best friends. And uh, this was followed by a segment, uh, interview segment between Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone that quickly devolved into kidnapping. Kidnapping. <laughs> Big Swole. Uh, co-opted the Rolls Royce and uh, took it out to the parking lot. Then we got a match between Cody and a debuting absolute Ricky Starks. And uh, I was very excited about this. This was the TNT open challenge for this week. Cody did retain his title via pinfall in that affair. This match was followed up by the Young Bucks against the Superbad squad. Bucks getting the pinfall victory there. And then there was a post-match fracas with uh, the Butcher and the Blade, Superbad Squad, FTR, and the Bucks. So uh, more to follow on that. Next up, Brian Cage and Taz had a promo segment. And then we got an update on Britt Baker. She was discovered by Reba in a dumpster. So that did not go very well for her. Uh, after that was a uh, the main event with Matt Hardy on commentary, the unkillable Matt Hardy, uh, with the Lesex gods taking on Best Friends, with Best Friends' title opportunity at Fighter Fest on the line. Best Friends got the pinfall victory, and that was the close of the show. One thing I forgot to mention um, was we did see uh, the Dark Order present uh, Colt Cabana with an envelope. And uh, there's a little bit of mystery surrounding what was in that envelope and whether he's going to take advantage of the offers that are clearly being made by the Dark Order. So that was the action. Mike, what stood out to you from this episode? Stock up, stock down. Well, we, we tend to have a tradition on this pod, Joel, when a new wrestler debuts, I kick it to you. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit, a little bit about the debuting Ricky Starks, who Tony Khan confirms last night is now a member of all elite wrestling. It wasn't a one-off he's here. 
I know. I saw that. I'm very, very excited. I'm also really happy for Ricky Starks. He's been uh, on the indie scene for a while. Uh, he debuted in October of 2012. So he's been at it for almost eight years at this point. And I'm sure he started training before that. He's bounced around the indies. He's worked in a bunch of different companies. His most notable work was with the reboot of the National Wrestling Alliance and his role on NWA Power. So uh, he's got so much charisma. I mean, that's the thing that really stands out the most. He's a good worker in the ring. He's a good talker, but the dude just oozes charisma. Uh, the very first time I saw him on NWA Power, I just had this immediate thought of, oh my gosh, this dude... He looks and acts like The Rock, like not he doesn't physically resemble The Rock, but the <laughs> way he, you know, Carries moves, himself. the way he accentuates his words with his physical actions in his promos, he just reminds me of that. And that's great company to be in. Uh, he can absolutely go in the ring. And I'm really excited to see what he does in AEW. This is a great signing. And someone who wasn't really on my radar as someone who was available. I had assumed that he was going to continue doing NWA stuff whenever they were able to resume their tapings. But this was a surprise and a very welcome one. Uh, Mike, what did you think about his debut? Yeah, so I I knew his name, but it's one of those things I knew his name from reading dirt sheets and reading results. So I never actually had seen him work before. But I think the biggest thing that I can take from his debut is that he seems like he belongs. And sometimes when a wrestler debuts, you know, it doesn't maybe doesn't hit right off the bat. But not only did it feel like he, he belongs in AEW, I was like, damn, I kind of want I was rooting for him by the end of the match. Um, just extremely gifted, extremely talented. And yeah, just the way he moves, the way he walks around the ring the way he he throws his strikes and hits his moves it's, it all screams like we all you know MJF always screams I'm better than you and you know it the way he starks handled himself in the ring i got the i got the same exact vibes um so i was really really excited as the match went on you know i was like kind of uh, who is this but um i became a true believer by the end of the match and i was really hoping that this was a, a real signing, not a one-off like with Luke Cobb or something like that. Or, you know, there were rumors of other former, other wrestling company guys maybe coming in and doing a spot. You know, Matt Cardona, uh, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, had been associated with it, um, which would have been just fine. But I kind of like that they went a surprise route. And it actually was a surprise. No spoilers. I didn't see anything, <clears throat> excuse me, anything about this guy's name over the last few days in regards to rumors around who could be the challenger. So props to AW for keeping that a secret props to them for locking down this guy. I could see him main eventing, main eventing a takeover in the next six months. If he went that route, like he was, he came off that good. So he's really polished. And I'll say this, the promo that he cut on dynamite is one of the worst I've ever heard from him. Oh, and that's really saying something because that was not a bad promo at all. No, Duke no, I was talk crazy. And yeah, he, he has so much charisma. So I'm really looking forward to where he slots in. I think 
there are a lot of different groups out there that he could pick a fight with. And I think Ricky Starks is the type that, although we saw him in a singles match there, he's really good when he's kind of like up against the wall, against the odds kind of situation. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, if you ran afoul of the Dark Order or something like that, I think that could be interesting to see him work his way through different members of that group in singles matches, trying to make his way to the upper echelon in, you know, maybe trying to challenge Brody Lee. Uh, so there's lots of different ways you could go. But well, question for you, big win question for you. Do you think he's someone that they can put into a big program right off the bat? Or is this someone that you feel like they need to build up slowly, develop? Like, does he get the, you know, freaking Brian Cage treatment? You know, boom, high, high level of the card, good stature on the card. Or does he have this match with Cody and kind of go back to, you know, jobbers and developing his character? How do you think they handle him going forward? I don't know. I mean, he got the hot shot beginning with challenging Cody and getting a video package. You know, he didn't just walk out and go into the ring and wrestle and show you what he could do without having any kind of introduction. So it feels like he's going to be treated a little bit more significantly. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, uh, you know, getting involved in a high profile singles match, not necessarily for a championship. I don't think he's going to get the Brian Cage treatment or even necessarily the Lance Archer treatment. But I do think it's likely that he's going to have a high profile singles match at Fighter Fest. Um, something that they can oh, especially quickly... with a two week. Yeah, seems like seems like a Sean Spears kind of guy to to match up with you know i think that would be excellent. yeah let them work uh we know spears can make anyone look good and even though i want to see spears win matches on his own you know <laughs> like but if they're still looking for a tag team partner for spears that's a guy who could make a very compelling tag team partner if they did our suggested g1 tournament style uh before we move on, anything else to say about about this match in general? I know we mainly talked about the debuting Starks, um, but I thought the match was was really interesting. I thought it was good. I thought it was fast paced. I love that the the U.S. title matches are twenty minutes, and they always emphasize that because the matches the last few weeks have had such a frantic pace on TV that it feels it feels big because them, you know, right off the bat, these guys are going balls to the wall from the minute the bell rings. So yeah, definitely. Fun? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a really well-worked match and there were some really cool spots. Uh, I really liked the springboard tornado DT kind of thing. Really not a springboard. It's more of like a walk up, but I thought that Starks and Cody made that look really, really good. And uh, I thought he, sold like crazy for Cody's offense and mm-hmm. uh, took the crossroads like a boss. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dude knows. I was kind of disappointed. I was like, man, I really want this match to continue. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on then. And I think one of the things that we, we constantly talk about is the AW tag division. And I think this week's episode of dynamite really emphasized that because we had, uh, tag matches to open and close the show. And then we also had a significant tag match in the middle of the show. So um, let's start with, uh, let's just go right down the card. Uh, Joel, what'd you think of the 
uh, Dustin QT Marshall versus, or, I'm sorry, the Natural Nightmares versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. I really liked this match, and uh, I thought there was some really nice offense. I was struck by just how good Dustin looks. Yeah, so good. You know, he pulled out some new things in this match. I don't think we've seen him do that top rope diving Rana before. No, I've never seen him do that. That's like when Cena did the Hurricane Rana a few years ago. It's like, whoa. And and it's just kind of wild to see. Like, he's, he's always been a good worker. You know, and, and talk to anybody in the business, you know, they will all tell you, anyone who's worked with him will tell you that Dustin was, has always been a good worker, but he's added so much to his repertoire and it looked great. You know, I was I was really uh, impressed and uh, I was impressed by QT Marshall as well. I mean, obviously, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega are going to do their thing and they're great mm-hmm. and we know that. So as good as they were in this match, it didn't really stand out to me as much as what I saw from, from Dustin and QT that standing drop kick from QT Marshall looked. That was Orin level or prime level drop kick from QT there. That was awesome. I wrote down in my notes, I was like, do we need to start adding drop kicks to the Orton scale and rating them? I mean, that was, I'm really starting to appreciate Randy Orton more, by the way, (laughs) that's from this, that's from this fucking podcast. Like every week I'm like, man, that looked like Randy Orton. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you see something really good and it's like, oh, that reminds me of Randy. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really want to give him those props. But um, by the way, uh, his match with Edge apparently this weekend was awesome. So I might go back and check that out. Yeah. Unfortunately, Edge like tore a tricep. Yep. So yep. bummer. But um, yeah, I speaking of Dustin, uh, speaking of Dustin QT, you know, we knew Kenny and Paige can work a certain pace. I didn't feel like these two guys dragged the match down at all. Definitely like, not. And I think the like frequent it, tags helped. Yeah. Because um, it was, you know, it, it was almost like a football game, you know, like it's a it's a three second car crash followed by a little bit of standing around and waiting. And that's kind of what this match was for the the natural nightmares. It was you're either in the ring going absolutely full throttle or you're taking a quick breather before you tag right back in and get back to that frantic pace. So I I completely agree on that. They looked great. And it's nice that this tag team that initially felt like it was just a a throw together has developed something that, you know, feels like it fits and belongs in this very prestigious tag division. But we got two other matches that we got to talk about from this tag division. So what did you think of the... Bucks and super bad squad. Well, first off, a little, a little disappointed. It's no longer the super bad death squad. Uh, they, they lost a name like they're a WWE tag team. So super bad squad. Glad to have you. The match itself was, I think exactly what we thought it was going to be. Uh, I love the aggressiveness from the Bucks early on. It kind of leaned into that. Anything you can do, I can do better feud. It looks like they're developing with FTR. Um, you know, it seems like they're going to be going down the, we respect the hell out of each other feud for a bit. Um, but I really liked the aggression, really liked, um, uh, Matt selling the rib injury, which I know isn't a sell cause he actually did crack a rib, <laughs> um, before, uh, before got double or nothing. So, but the emphasis on that, and I, I just love the heel antics, uh, the super bad squad. Man, I I love that 
I loved for the first time ever. I a referee found something on a wrestler <laughs> before the match, that and it did, was like <laughs> that did feel like a big payoff. Like we as wrestling fans have been watching this play out in indie promotions where the referee checks the boots and you know gives them a little pat down, and uh, they never find anything. You know, even when it's the obvious like. Uh, containers of oil in Michael Nakazawa's trunks. Like they still don't find it. And uh, it, it was, it was funny. Although I think that did happen on dark uh, a, a couple of months ago where some, they tried to take away Nakazawa's oil, but he had more. <laughs> what were they, what was he going to do with a pair of pliers? <laughs> like, you don't want to know. Don't ask questions. You don't want the answers to you've seen the small films. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but I, I like, and I love the way that they, they kind of cheat too. You know, it's their distractions always have a payoff and butchering the blade getting involved. And then all of a sudden havoc gets a slippery one, wet sign and just smashes it. Well, Penelope Ford pack. got it first. Both. Yeah. Both of them. She, had she introduced they that sign into the match and then Jimmy havoc went and got it later. So yeah, that was, that was a fun one. And, uh, I, I I mentioned before that I had kind of a surprise stock down. It was stock down to the fact that we, we live in a world that is so dark that having the name death squad is, uh, <laughs> is not appropriate. And I agree with them changing the name because like, especially right now with all the police brutality going yeah. on and being in the spotlight, like, and, and the connotations of death squads like that, it's not really something that you want on this, you know, this show that's supposed to be an escape for people. But, uh, but it, it does bum me out because super bad death squad was such a great name. And I feel like super bad squad, like it's just, it's lacking like some Jimmy Havocness to it. Yeah. So, you but know, I, I take comfort Joel. There's never been anything bad with the initials SS. So I'm going to go ahead and, and decide <laughs> that it's SBS because <laughs> I did have that thought as well. Because um, I'd been abbreviating them in my notes, SDS. And, you know, I went to write it down and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I, then I was thinking, oh, SBS in Boston, where I do my bowling league is through social Boston sports. So either way, I guess that's better than SS. Yeah, that's, so. that's much better than <laughs> SBS. So, um um yeah but i loved i love the post-match stuff here i love ftr coming out to even the odds and it, it kind of feels like we're not getting the young bucks ftr at fighter fest maybe it's going to be some sort of eight man type of because these two t these four teams have all been kind of interacting here the last few weeks and maybe it's a plan to keep the ftr young bucks showdown for maybe a little later in the summer but well, like um, I mentioned before, that does feel like a match that you want a crowd for. And so if they're holding out hope that they can have a crowd at All Out, then it kind of makes sense to me that, you know, this would be the direction they would go. Now, I don't know if you saw on social media the, uh, like, AEW on TNT account uh, replied to, like, TBS is doing this, like, comedy tournament show thing. Yeah. And the T AEW on TNT account replied to that and was like, you know, we love a tournament uh, with, you know, the uh, the eyeballs emoji. So I swear to God, know, they still are fucking ideal. I'm going to be so pissed. 
I'm going to be so oh. happy because I feel like that makes us legitimate wrestling uh, personalities, podcasters, if they steal our idea, because it happens all the time, but it's going to happen. Well, I mean, I'll throw out there that Tony Khan is, is basically the biggest wrestling fan ever. So that's true. I, I, I don't believe that the idea occurred to us before it occurred to him. Uh, you know, he's talked about how he's been writing episodes of Dynamite since he was a kid. You know, not with the talent, but, you know, writing angles and essentially stockpiling them so that he has all these stories that he can pull from that he's been writing for years. So, you know, I'm sure that he had already thought of doing like a round robin tag team tournament yeah. kind of deal. I am still going to put myself over like crazy if it ends up happening. And you can't stop me. You can't stop me, Joel. <laughs> All right. So finally, the show ended with the Lasex gods taking on best friends. And uh, this match went about how you would expect. And I, I think that the most significant thing in this match was actually the post-match with Orange Cassidy disguised as the cameraman coming in and then just going berserk <laughs> on Chris Jericho. And, you know, he didn't even pretend like I thought he was going to put his hands in his pockets and then go nuts. No. But he just went right into it. And uh, I loved it. It was great. I, I am excited to see this match. Uh, now that we know we're, we're getting this match, Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho at Fighter Fest, uh, that's going to be fantastic. And uh, I think that Cassidy can do a lot to hide some of the aspects of, of Chris Jericho's work that aren't the same as when he was younger. Mm -hmm. And the things that Chris Jericho is still really, really good at will fit right into an Orange Cassidy style match. So I think this is a good look for both of them. It's a good fit. And also, you know, one of my buddies uh, and I were, were talking on Twitter about this. Um, neither necessarily needs the W. You know, we've seen that Jericho hasn't lost his esteem from losing the title. If anything, they've they've kind of perched him back up. So I feel like this could be a really big career defining moment here for Orange Cassidy. And it also tells us they probably want to save Tyson for a potential crowd too, or all out, which is their WrestleMania. So seems like we're going to get Tyson a little later in the summer. Um but I am stoked if you, my buddy, basically is if you would have told me in February that the best friends would main event dynamite and that would lead into a Jericho Cassidy feud. I would have said it was horrible booking, but I thought last night was done perfectly. And I couldn't agree with more with him because I thought this story has been told so well. And what I love about it too, is it felt like a story that just kind of, it's been in the works, but it just kind of appeared like it just kind of happened. Um, and I just, I just love that this is happening and Cassidy is such a star and you know, Jericho, we have our issues with Jericho, but Jericho's going to go all out to make sure Cassidy looks like a million bucks here. So, um, great, great story. And, you know, maybe we'll have, uh, orange Cassidy toppling over Jericho and the best friends bringing those tag titles to best friendville. And once again, man, Trent looks so fucking good. And Sammy sold the hell out of that spear. Can we give Sammy the award for like most crazy spot almost every single week or most painful looking spot every single week? Cause he's always fucking there. <laughs> like, Yeah. And we're going to see Sammy next week as well. 
uh, taking on Matt Hardy. So that's exciting. And uh, the, the the verdict is in. It's going to be the early 90s version of Matt Hardy. So yes, <laughs> looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. What do you think of Matt on commentary? I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a little bit sparse. Like there was some dead air that I think JR and like left open for him. Tony and Excalibur thought he was going to fill, um, but it didn't happen that way. And, uh, you know, so that was a little bit awkward. But when he was on commentary, I thought he was good. Uh, so I, I, I wonder think- if this is a way to get him, get him some reps, you know, because he is coming to the near the end of his in-ring career. Maybe this is, you know, something we'll see a little more often, kind of like how we see Jericho on commentary. Who knows? I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, I just think, once again, if you're going to do that, maybe have someone else leave the booth entirely so that you're not putting four people out there because it just creates these awkward timing situations where, you know, nobody knows whether they should be the one talking or they should be the one laying out. So I... I, uh, I, I don't mind it when it's just for a match. Yeah. Like it would have been a lot like the Jericho thing last week was rough because it was the entirety of the show. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought he was, I, when he spoke, like you said, I thought he was really good. I didn't notice the lapse, but I also, I don't pay attention to commentary unless something really egregious happens. Like I, I won't remember specific things unless it's, you know, Jr. Like I remember Jr. calling, uh, uh, Penelope Ford a Jezebel again. Last yeah. Night. I think it's time to retire that one. Let's not yeah. call people Jezebels anymore. Yep. But let's just recap the tag teams, you know, everything in the tag team division tonight. We had an awesome championship match and looks like QT Marshall and Dustin might be having a little drama here with Brandy and Allie, which is another fascinating story. I, I actually watched Dark this week and they were looked really good in their tag match together. I really liked the dynamic that Brandy and Allie had there. Um, but back to the tag division, we have four tag teams kind of mixing it up in the Bucks, uh, Butch and the Blade, Super Bad Squad, and FTR. And then we had Les Sex Gods, which, who knows, they should be a fucking full-time tag team. They're great. Have a pretty great match with the number one contenders. So tag team division is super healthy. And, man, I don't think any wrestling company in the world can can touch the tag teams that they have right now. Yeah, it's it's really great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed what we saw. And there's so many other tag teams like we talked about last week. Oh, yeah. Who Kiss and Janela were around. great on, Dynam- on Dark this week. Yeah. And, I think and we get to see them on Dynamite next week. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they have a match on Dynamite. So that's, that's going to be exciting as well. So we had one more stock up uh, for this week. And that is uh, the Dark Order recruiting Anna Jay. Uh, I was really happy to see this one because I think Anna Jay is someone who has a ton of potential. And I think that getting her involved with a faction is going to be a good way for her to be supported and and brought along and also hopefully gets her some more TV time. Cause you know, that's always helpful when developing new talent. And it also solves a problem for the dark order, which is you had a faction of like a dozen people and no women like, and and they're you know this this cult of you know downtrodden and dejected people and it just kind of felt like it was almost an incel thing going on and yeah. I'm glad that we're getting away from that and that 
they they now have a, a woman in their ranks, and I think that's a that's a big get. And uh, hopefully, they can strike a little bit more balance on that front moving forward. Well, here here's the thing too: is when like ten or five go and like wrestle, we don't know anything about them. They are background characters and i don't think you can do that with a female member of the dark order because there will only be one and you know was this reactionary to um statlander's injury baker's getting injury you know a lot of talk this week has been about the lack of depth in the women's division and anna jay alone i'm like yeah she has a ton of potential she's really good in the ring she has a great look but you automatically give her legitimacy by pairing her with a group like the Dark Order. So we may now just have our heel, you know, like a dominant heel woman just from being associated with that group and kind of the prestige that comes with it. Um, and also when Anna Jay wrestles a match, I'm going to know it's her. Like, and we've like, like, I'm not going to have, oh, was that 10? Was that five? Was that eight? Was that nine? Like, sorry, I'm going to know who Anna Jay is. And I hope it's not just as a like a member of the Dark Order. Like I would love for her to be part of that upper echelon of Brody Lee, Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, and now Anna Jay. Well, we know she's the top woman in the faction, so that's true. For but but more so of like they actually she will actually get speaking roles, and she will actually have you know matches where she's not just taking the L like some of the lower level of the Dark Order. Like well, I'm, I'm sure that'll be the case because. You know, they clearly want to bring her along. She's a, a homegrown talent who came out of the Nightmare Factory. So they definitely want her to succeed. And I think that it would be pointless to put her with this faction and not give her those opportunities because that's the point. The faction is the safety blanket, but the safety blanket is there so that you can get outside your comfort zone and try to do more and expand your abilities. So I think uh, I think it's a good pairing. and I. Uh, I, I hope you're right. I hope that we, we get to see her do some more significant things. She's had two matches on Dynamite and I think two matches on Dark. So, you know, we haven't seen her a whole lot, but I like what I've seen so far. Also, props to AEW for all week touting the return of Anna Jada Dynamite and then having her eat a fast L. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. And also, is it Abaddon? Yeah. Her makeup is fucking scary. Like, yeah, I she's was, pretty it was terrifying. Un- it's it's grotesque. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. And who's who's the she was an impact? We saw her down in Florida who did oh, like so young? death. Yeah. She always used to scare the hell out of me, but she has nothing on Abaddon. Abaddon. Like, yeah, Sue Young was more creepy. Abaddon is like grotesque and uh they did announce also that she is signed yep. so she is part of the women's division and i think that's a great signing uh i like her work in the ring i like the way she moves it's different and that finisher that she hit looked really impactful i've always mm-hmm. felt that the uh rana to a kneeling opponent is a really sweet move and something that looks like it should be a big deal. And I never liked that when I've seen it in the past, it's always been like a transitional move that, mm-hmm. you know, like Kalisto would do it and like win a match with that. Cause that's great. 
and like there are so many different places you can get to it from so i i like it a lot and i think that i was going to talk about her in lightning round but i guess we're already there uh <laughs> i think the abaddon signing is is a big deal for the women's division I, what I love about the signing and what I love about the character is that we've had supernatural characters in the men's division forever in every wrestling company. There's been supernatural characters. You very rarely see women with that gimmick. I can't remember anyone recently in WWE who has had that kind of supernatural gimmick. And for her to have this, it kind of, I, I like that it's going to give us a little character diversity on the women's side. Um, other than like, I'm a, I'm a role model. I'm a heel. Well, I'm big swallow. I'm a face. Like this seems different. And I'm not saying she's going to be like the undertaker, but the fact that they now have someone who kind of has this mystery around her. I mean, now we have a zombie and we have an alien like, well, and it's a present, <laughs> you know, like I know th- you you brought up the undertaker and clearly like, it's not the same as having the undertaker. We'll just get that out of the way, but it is in the same neighborhood in terms of the like eerie factor. Like I think it could become a really big thing because it's not going to be hard for talent to sell being freaked out when she comes She's out to freaky the as hell. <laughs> and yeah, it just, it's, really weird and in a good way so uh well let's let's get let's get on and and actually get into our official lightning round lightning round and this will probably be a very short lightning round because i feel like we've talked about most of the show already one thing that we haven't touched on was the match between uh billy and mjf and i thought this was a, a really good match and i like the the way that they got into the finish i like that it's kind of becoming mjf's signature to just clock people with his ring and (laughs) i mean he makes that right hand look really good too Mm -hmm. so like it looks like a really good punch to begin with and then you add in the prop element of it and it it works for me i really like it yeah it it also showed Jesus Christ, Billy Gunn's huge. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, like, yeah. he's, he's and like he was big in WWE, so it's not like this. We're like we're realizing for the first time that he's huge. He's he's a big freaking guy. <laughs> like, you know, I never realized though, like going back and because you know when when I first got on the network in like 2015, I went back and watched every pay per view from like. 2000 through 2009 and he didn't look that big because everyone else was so much bigger and and now yeah, he also you know, was slimmer then too he wasn't as bulky he's bulked yeah. up the last few years but yeah i remember he, the first definitely... time i saw him in new japan when he was wrestling as the one billy gun and uh i was like holy crap he's enormous because he's out there with you know some much smaller talent and uh yeah, you just you don't realize until you see it. Yep. It's a good use of him too. He's a legend. We all know his past, so we don't have to say where he came from, but Billy Gunn has some street cred, so it's a good good use of him. Loves the post-match brawl with Lucha Express. Looks like we're going to get some uh stuff with that here in the next few weeks. 
Uh, the item I wanted to talk to you about on Lightning Round was Britt Baker getting kidnapped. It was yeah. It's been a while since we've had a good kidnapping angle. I mean, and this one wasn't creepy. Usually, it's you know, man kidnapping a woman. So, um, totally fine with Big Swell taking out the trash. And uh, did you notice that Britt Baker kind of went full? Yeah, it's that bad with the exaggeration. I've been here five hours, and then the next time. It's it's been six hours already. I just really loved that. It was so funny. And then she gave a badass promo in a dumpster. Like, like I and did you we, see I have, Jungle Boy said that was his banana, the, the banana peel that he <laughs> had on her head? I didn't see that. Did he tweet that afterwards? Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Oh man. Yeah. Like, I never feel like I have the need to pay attention to the other wrestling company's social media. But there's so many fun stuff going on on AEW Twitter during shows, after shows. It's just it's great. What do you think of this uh, this little bit? I, I liked it. And I like that it was drawn out. You know, we got the right before the Cody and Ricky Starks match was when they had the interview. And then it wasn't until the end of the show that we got to Brit in the dumpster. So I, I liked it. and. Um, I felt bad for for Reba because I felt like she kind of was, you know, hung out to dry in that segment because uh, <laughs> she had a lot of time to fill and not that much to say. Uh, but her comedic work with like fumbling the phone, I thought was great. I thought she did an awesome job with that. And uh, I just was very entertained. But Swole driving off with a maniacal look on her face was <laughs> my favorite thing about the whole segment. It was so good. Yeah, and if and if Baker is ready for all out, I can't wait for Britt Baker versus Big Swole. Let's see how they stretch it that long, though. Um, one thing from this, Joel, is you're lucky I've never put you on a friendship timeout. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> uh anything else for for lightning round man i really think we've talked about almost everything the only segment we haven't touched on is you might as well talk about it brian cage and taz and, and just more great promo work uh i, I didn't really like liked... Cage's part of it i didn't like cage's part of it well he's not a great talker uh, yeah he's stumbled you know, a bit which now i see why he's with taz yeah i mean there's there's a reason um but taz i mean i i love him calling back to uh, Mox saying, I'm a miserable son of a bitch. And he's like, you want to talk about misery? We'll show you misery. You know, I had that gimmick, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought that was pretty great. And Taz is just so compelling on the mic. And mm -hmm. it's clear that he's unleashed in AEW in a way that he never was in the other wrestling company. Not once. So Not once. It, it's great. To, to see him going out there doing his best work. And I just wish that he was still able to get in the ring and, and do it. Cause I would love to see, you know, one more match Taz, you know, get out there and, you know, throw some people, hit some suplexes and show us what a real judoka can do in the ring. Cause he's legit. I just get so many like flashbacks to my teenage years when he was doing commentary on SmackDown. Like, I've always had a soft place. Uh, soft place? Is that the right phrase? Soft spot. Soft spot. I'm like a baby with a soft spot on my head. Um, I, I always had a soft spot for 
uh, Taz and very happy to see him on my TV weekly. Um, and Joel, do you have a, a random observation this week? Why, yes, I do. Joel's random observation of the week. So I think um, I think Christopher Nolan was probably an uncredited producer on the uh, segment with uh, FTR coming out because uh, we got some cashception. I don't know if you saw this, but Cash Wheeler was wearing a Johnny Cash T-shirt. So uh-huh. uh, I think he was trying to make it easy for people to figure out who's Cash, yeah. who's Dax. So I appreciated that. And uh, so I'm Dax always- has to wear a shirt of Dax Shepard going forward. <laughs> I'd be down. I love Dax. Okay. <laughs> Me too. He's a wonderful <laughs> human being. <laughs> so like, well, we're tw- I'll tweet that at them later um, in response to this, but that's, that's good. Good. We need, we need a little help with those names for a while or just do video games and have the names float underneath them. I think that would help <laughs> too. But um, well, everybody, uh, we got some big news. We are now on Google podcasts. We are now on Stitcher and we are now on TuneIn. So there is no fucking excuse. We are everywhere now. You can't run from us. That also is we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on what's the other one? <laughs> I know there's another SoundCloud. one. SoundCloud. We're on SoundCloud. So guys, please follow us. Uh, give us a review. Those reviews are very helpful for getting the word out on our podcast. Haven't been asking for it before, but I'm asking for it now. Give me those five star reviews and. I will be much appreciated. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Find Joel at the other Joel. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda because I'm a contrarian. I don't want to change my Twitter name. Um, and you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm seeing more and more people interact with us during uh, the live tweeting. So we're going to keep doing that. And, Joel, anything to add before I cough up my lung? No, I'm pleased you've held it together so well. So good job. And uh, that's all, folks. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.